as a child, my mother said, don't you ever become a Jesus freak, Neil. When I was in middle school, all my friends were uh, uh, eager to do drugs. And I was deathly afraid of drugs. But I would pretend that I was getting high on the weekends and tell these elaborate fibs, these stories, wow. so that I could keep my friends. When I went to high school, I, um, I realized, well, they're not my friends if I have to do drugs for them to be my friends. So I went looking for people to be friends. And I found quality people that I liked and didn't mind being with. And lo and behold, over time, I came to realize many of them were followers of Christ. <laughs> uh, I heard the gospel for the first time, and I knew it was right, but I wasn't ready to change my life. When I went off to college, uh, I suddenly wasn't the big man on campus anymore. I got humbled a little bit. I got very sick uh, the, the week of final exams. I almost died from an illness, and that woke me up that I can't keep putting this off. I just knew somebody was a Christian on my wing at the dorms, and I went up to him. He was studying in the lounge. I says, how do I become a Christian? And he says, what? I says, how do I become a Christian? <laughs> and so he got a drawer, and he pulled out a Four Spiritual Laws booklet. He says, well, read this. And I read it, and I said, well, do I just pray this? He says, yeah, just pray it, and I prayed it. And that was my miraculous salvation story. <laughs> uh, I had no idea at the moment um, that the implications of that decision would have for my life. Hello, everybody. That was Neil Cole telling you a bit about himself. Me and my friend John from the first Zeal episode had a chance to interview Neil here for interview number 10. Neil is a former lifeguard living in Long Beach, California. He started following Jesus and leading churches when he was in college. Over time, the churches he led went from being complicated to more simple and organic and multiplied to thousands of churches all around the world. We've learned a ton from Neil here in Toronto and are really excited to share more about it with you. Enjoy. Let's go. I was asked by my denomination to direct church planting uh, while I was a pastor of a church. And uh, we originally launched something to get church planters called the Pastor Factory. Uh, this is before we were organic, we were industrial. And uh, we had an assembly line, we were gonna punch out pastors just like me. And uh, that was, I learned by making that mistake that that's not how people are developed. They're not machines. Uh, so we had to go through a lot of learning and failure. Um, then we uh, launched a church plant. And you know, you gotta understand at the time, churches were, the only way you could start a church was to launch a worship service. There was nobody saying that's not church or there's more to church than that. So we sacrificed, uh, we were, I was pastoring a church of 100 and we spent $100,000 and sent two full-time pastors and 35 people to launch a church. That's like giving birth to a 30-pound baby. <laughs> and it killed us. Uh, and one year later, that church failed. It, it closed its doors. But that, that was the best thing. That was the best hundred grand we ever spent because it forced us to rethink what church was and go back to the Bible and ask, uh, what does the Bible say about planting churches? And surprisingly, it never tells us to plant churches. It tells us to make disciples. So we had to rethink it. So 
so we weren't really launching churches. We were just launching disciple makers that knew how to multiply. And how, what happened? Like, how did that roll out in different cities? Different Usually it was somebody who said, I like this, I want to do this, but I feel God's calling me to San Francisco. So we'd have a few months where we're coaching and training, showing them. It, it, the thing is, is this kind of ministry is easy and inexpensive. So anyone can do it, seriously. The part that's not easy is unlearning the old ways of doing church. Mm. So when people came to us and says, I wanna do this in San Francisco, we would say, spend a month with us, two months, we'll show you how it's done, and then you go. And they would go to San Francisco. Someone wanted to go to Salt Lake, we send them to Salt Lake. Someone wanted to go to Portland, a little bit of training, send them to Portland. So it just sort of happened where God would call someone and say, and they would just say, I wanna to move to Portland, I feel God's telling me to, and we'd give them the, the training, and we stay in relationship, um, you know, and it just expanded like that. Wow. We had someone who was from France came and spent a good half a year with us, and then we sent him off, and he started churches in two churches in Paris, and then he left them with someone else, moved to Marseille, and started a church, and then went to Algeria. So it just wow. spreads like that. And then we had an intern come from Indiana, spend six months with us, and they went back to Indiana and started a church. And then that church in Indiana sent someone to Arizona and then another person to Seattle. And then another one went to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and then someone went to India. So wherever the wind blew, these disciples would go. And they knew when they hit the ground how to make disciples. And then in 2010, John, you went to Long Beach, and we've, we talked about this in that first conversation with you and Karina, but yeah, what happened in 2010? How did you meet Neil? Um, a friend of mine gave me uh, one of Neil's books. It was called uh, Ordinary Hero. So I read Ordinary Hero during my leave of absence from work, and for some reason it just like, it's like a switch just got turned on in me, and I was like, there's something here I have to, I gotta do something with this. So I was just so hungry about it. I uh, bought a ticket to Long Beach. I found out there was a, a training happening uh, right here. Uh, and I went and met, met Neil and got some of the training and started that, that relationship. came to my house basically we asked you hey, could you show us what this looks like so then what Neil did is he went to my daughter and he said ask these three or four questions and I off the top of my head I could I'm sure you'll know exactly what they are but uh, that was a very very powerful experience and maybe you could just describe that a little bit how you would approach that yeah so we 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 still have all this residue of what church is from tradition and even those of us who think we've escaped that, we still carry it around in us. We've got to unlearn centuries of bad ideas that are keeping us bound uh, and not the freedom that you find in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. So um, one of those things is that when a child receives the Lord, they don't get a junior-sized Holy Spirit and a Jesus action figure. They are indwelt with the Holy Spirit as much as the most mature saint. No difference. But here is a difference. The child has childlike faith naturally. So if you treat a child like they need a babysitter, they'll act like they need a babysitter. But if you treat them like they are an agent of God's kingdom, 
uh, they will step up and you'll be surprised. And so when we do church as a family, ch children are not a distraction from family. They are family. They are a core to the whole thing. So let's involve them in what we do. And that's why I, I started with your daughter mm -hmm. and these simple questions. We design church so that anyone can lead it. That you don't have to have a theological degree to do this. I'm not against theological degrees. I have one. I, I, I enjoyed it. Get, I enjoyed getting it. I wouldn't mind furthering my education. But to say that we need that in order to be church, that's a big problem. Because then all those people in the book of Acts are unqualified to lead mm. a church. Wow. Jesus doesn't qualify to lead a church. In fact, there are many denominations Jesus wouldn't be welcome. I can remember just I can remember reading the book of Acts for the very first time and how exciting it was. And I remember walking to class one day, having read Acts, I had a hard time closing the book. And I remember, you know, I'm not involved with discipleship or ministry or anything. And I'm thinking out, I'm thinking to myself, but actually what I was doing was praying. I would say praying now, but back mm -hmm. then I didn't have language for it. I thought to yeah. pray, you had to be on your knees, your hands had to be like this, there had to be stained glass windows and somewhere in the vicinity, <laughs> or it didn't count. And then you had to do this. So I didn't know I was praying, but I was praying. And I said, I wish I was alive back then to see all this happen. And that's the first time I heard God speak. And he said to me, the people who were alive then wish that they were alive in your time to see what God's about to do.